0: 2022 is almost over. Let's get caught up on the year in North Carolina politics. This is the Politics Podcast from WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Hi, hey, and hello. Time to review some of the political stories, people, and moments that rose to the top during the latest calendar in what continues to be the wide world of North Carolina politics. Here for our conversation are Rob Schofield, director of NZ Policy Watch, and Clark Reamer, chief of staff, to Republican State House Representative Jason Sain. Hi, guys.
1: Happy holidays, guys. Merry Christmas.
0: Redistricting fights, budget deals, Leandro, a primary delayed, apologies from a lieutenant governor, the disposal of Cawthorn and McCrory, the upending of Roe, no Medicaid expansion or sports gambling yet, mass shootings, expensive campaigns, hurricane recovery failures, and so, so much more. When you think back on 2022, which North Carolina political story climbs to the top of your list, Rob?
2: Wow. Um, Gosh, there's so many of them, as you say. I mean, I I remain struck by the fact that while we've had this remarkable national recovery in so many ways, the pandemic, jobs, uh, readdressing the climate emergency uh, cutting poverty, slashing the federal deficit, uh, getting serious about our foreign policy. It doesn't seem to me like we've embraced that here at the state level. We're sort of stuck in this mode we've been for the last 10 years, where we've sort of systematically disinvested in core public services and structures. We're still sort of pursuing these dog whistle uh, discrimination ideas in, in in policy and education. We've disinvested in a, a public education. So I I'm struck by it. It seems to me that 2022 was another lost year, really, in North Carolina politics, a time when we could have made similar progress to what was made at the national level and and just and just didn't.
0: Is there a moment that underscores that, whether it's a moment that Cooper and Berger walked away from each other or a particular fight? Or is, is there something, if it was same old, same old, from your perspective, that uh, perhaps the music was playing uh, a little more loudly?
2: I don't know. I mean, there were there's so many of them. Medicaid expansion, the failure after all these years when we finally seems like, you know, everybody's on board, at least as a general proposition, it seems, or at least most people were. And the fact that we still can't get it across the finish line, that our state still is seeing thousands of extra people die each year unnecessarily because of this ridiculous policy that's costing us financially. And it's all driven by this sort of extreme ideological opposition to Medicaid, to me just remains sort of emblematic of this sort of tragic head in the sand approach we take to so many uh, essential public policies.
0: Clark biggest political story of the year.
1: You know, let me take kind of the same view but the opposite end of it uh, as Robin the glass half full uh, uh, approach, but you know, I think we had another great year, another year where North Carolina has continued to lead the rankings of states where businesses want to move to, where where people want to move to. People are voting with their feet. They like the governance in North Carolina. We actually have had remarkable agreements. I mean, it's taken time and it's been a process between the governor and the general assembly, but we've got a good budget. You know, we're funding, we are funding essential services. We're continuing to fund them more. It's the largest budget ever and the largest spending on education in our universities ever. If everything was so bad in North Carolina, people and businesses wouldn't continue to come here. They are coming here. We continue to be on top of the rankings in almost everywhere you look in business and places where people are moving and places where people want to live and where people have a good quality of life. So I think it's been a great year for North Carolina, and I think next year is going to be even better you want to follow up, Rob, or shall I move on? Well, I mean, obviously, I think it's
2: unsustainable. I mean, uh, our, our former governor, Beb Purdue used to have a saying about eating our seed corn. And I think that's what we're doing here. We're doing it because we're disinvesting in our public schools. We're seeing our teachers leave the profession. Uh, we had a story at NC Policy this week about the fact that our juvenile detention centers are so... Horrendously, embarrassingly, chronically underfunded, that they're giving people – they're having to resort to, like, giving people money just to show up to work. The salaries are so low because we're so uh, – because of our obsession with tax cuts and our refusal to fund core services like criminal justice, like the courts, like the schools, like environmental protection, all these basic services where employees in North Carolina are so underpaid – People are just leaving. they're not even doing it anymore. They can do much better in the public sector and we can't even fill the slots we have and that's that's a testament to our obsession with regressive tax cuts and a ref- and the fact that we are as a share of our economy, almost 25 percent lower in terms of what we spend on public structures and services than we did a decade um, decade or 15 years ago. And so that's that's going to have long-term impacts, maybe not immediately. We know that people were coming to the state in very big numbers. We were number one in business you know, 15, 20 years ago in all those national rankings. But over time, it's eroding our basic public structures and services, and we're going to pay for
0: that in the long run. I, I'm not trying to be snarky. I just want to make sure I understood your point, no, because I think you maybe misspoke. You said they figured out they have to give people money to show up to work, but that's generally how work works.
2: What they're having to do, I'm sorry, I should have gone into more detail. They're limit, it's, a, it's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable story. They can't pay any more than $35,000 a year to these people who work in these juvenile detention centers. They're limited by state law. And so nobody wants to work. Nobody's showing up for work. They literally have resorted to using like cash they have sitting around in, you know, miscellaneous accounts to try to give people bonuses when they literally just a bonus for coming to work on time. I mean, it's so desperate that the deputy secretary's actually been doing shifts in the detention facilities. That's how crazy it's gotten. They're, they're, Hundred and something percent of capacity, and they've got like a 38 percent shortfall in employees because they can't get anybody to do it because they don't pay them enough. And that's so typical of so many areas of state government these days. And that is directly attributable to the regressive tax cuts we've imposed over the last decade. Hope that's clearer. Sorry.
0: It was. It was. I just, and I, I, Clark and I both, we went, wait, wait a second. There's something missing there, and, and you, you nailed it <laughs> or you brought it Thanks. home for us. As we head to the new year, some considerable turnover among elected officials. At the top, Democratic Congressman David Price and G.K. Butterfield are retiring. So, too, is Republican U.S. Senator Richard Burr. Between those three, 88-0 years of Capitol Hill experience is departing. First, Burr, 18 years in the Senate, 10 in the U.S. House. What's his legacy? Clark?
1: You know, I think Senator Burr has been a... a, a fine but quiet representative for North Carolina he's never been uh, our senator for North Carolina he's he's never in, in, until maybe a little bit recently and um, sought out the limelight he's never been in the front of uh, to be on TV but he's always been um, a stalwart member of our, our party and our um, our organization and um, you know he's done a great job, and we'll miss him. But I think we've got a a new great senator, and Senator Ted Budd elect coming in, and I think we're going to see the same sort of uh, common sense leadership from him that we've seen from Senator Burr and Senator Tillis over the years. So I'm excited.
2: Uh, well, obviously, Senator Burr, uh, sort of a, a mixed career, uh, not as 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 Clark mentions, not a whole lot of really high profile accomplishments, a lot of controversy towards the end of his career in that he, of course, voted to impeach Donald Trump and was censored by the Republican Party here in North Carolina. Um you know one has the 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 real sense that his heart was never in this extreme trumpist right-wing ideology that's uh, been embraced by so many of his party and that he was sort of out of step with it in his later years and you know, I, I, he he was sort of a go along get along senator. Never never really, um, you know, never any real uh, great accomplishments. Although deserves praise for at least having the guts to do what he knew was right when it came to things. Came to things like uh, voting to impeach Trump and passing the uh, Respect for Marriage Act that pr- guarantees marriage equality.
1: I'd say so let's not downplay the fact that he led the Senate Intel Committee for years—a critical spot, a very important spot, a very. To, to his nature, a very quiet spot where you can't talk a lot about what you're doing. But uh, uh, from all accounts, from both Democrats and Republicans, he did a great job running the Senate Intelligence Committee and and deserves praise. And uh,
2: yes, yes. I, I agree with you, Clark. On some respects, there, Clark. Although he did have this unfortunate incident at the end of that term where he was obviously uh, getting some inside information about the uh, pandemic and took some questionable actions with respect to that. So that sort of put a little bit of a a shadow on the latter days of his term.
0: There was an inquiry into insider trading. He was not uh, criminally charged or punished uh, by Congress to any capacity, but there was some Insider trading to some degree that took place there at the beginning of the pandemic. The irony, of course, is that had he not made those transactions, I do believe he would have had more money in his bank account today <laughs> than had he not done it. So do that or take that for whatever it's worth. One quick correction. Uh, Burr voted to convict, not to impeach the president uh, back in January of 2020. You're absolutely was, right. Thank you uh, for that. Thank censured for that. For that. Um, Rob, let's turn the tables uh, and uh, a word on uh, Price or reflection on Congressman Price and or Butterfield um, as they depart.
2: Well, uh, obviously, two very uh, really in some respects, as as Clark has uh, alluded to Burr, both sort of quiet men who work behind the scenes. We had Congressman Price on our radio show at NC Policy Watch this past week, and I was just struck by you know what a sober, serious guy he is. He's he's the antithesis of a flashy, headline-seeking politician, and yet an incredibly ethical man who worked very, very hard. For gosh, he was in there for thirty-four years as a member of Congress. And Congressman Butterfield has been a leader in the Black Caucus in Washington, uh, one of the top spokespeople in the country for issues of racial justice and equality. Uh, both men very ethical, dedicated public servants who had really good long runs, and, and they're going to be missed
1: in the U.S. House, their leadership.
0: Clark, anything on uh, uh, Price or Butterfield?
1: No, they were both, uh, you know, solid Democrat representatives. They were, um, you know, I disagree with them on a lot of issues, but they were always, um, from what I could tell and what I've seen, approachable and, uh, and, and good members of Congress. So I wish them well.
0: I think our listeners know this, but in the event that they do not, and Clark mentioned it earlier, Burr will be replaced by Republican Ted Budd. David Price will be replaced by Valerie Fushi, And uh, G.K. Butterfield will re- be replaced uh, also by de- both Democrats are being replaced by Democrats. Butterfield to be replaced by uh, Don Davis. Interestingly, five new U.S. House members come January All of them, four Democrats and a Republican, arrive out of the North Carolina State Senate. So do with that what you will. Tis the season, so we're doling out coal ash and bags of gelt. That's a Hanukkah tradition, that in a moment. Let's start with the naughty list. Who's getting a hopefully sealed bag of coal ash and why, Rob? Oh my goodness, I could give these out,
2: so many of these to so many people.
0: You have two Uh, or three at most.
2: I got to give House Speaker Tim Moore some coal for standing in the way of Medicaid expansion and for bringing a lawsuit that threatens to undermine the fabric of American democracy when it comes to gerrymandering. So those are two pretty big lumps of coal for uh, for uh, for uh, Speaker Moore.
1: No, I'll give a, I'll give a lump of coal ash to uh, to Governor Cooper for 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 going after members of his own party, specifically Senator Kirk Devere uh, for really trying to be a guy who was making deals and, and, and willing to work with the majority and willing to get things done in the North Carolina General Assembly, and, 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 for, and as a reward for being a pragmatic uh, member of the minority, he, he was rewarded with a primary campaign and endorsed against by the governor and, uh, you know, just politics probably at its worst, so uh, I'll send my lump of coal that way.
0: Kirk Devier. Democratic state senator from Cumberland County. He is His term expires at the end of the month. He was defeated in a primary by fellow Democrat Val Applewhite, a former city council member from uh, Fayetteville, and that was certainly some blue-on-blue uh, some blue fighting, uh, if you will, earlier this year in the Democratic Party. Hanukkah gelt, for those of you unfamiliar, is chocolate, symbolic of money, often used while playing the game of dreidel. Who is worthy <laughs> this year of a bag of gelt and why. Clark, you first.
1: Uh, sure. I'll, I'll give one to the uh, leadership of the General Assembly. I think we really had a great year from both the, um, the pro tem and the speaker. We had a successful budget season. We had a, a year that really got a lot done for the state that made a lot of progress and key issues, especially infrastructure for the state, uh, that was necessary. Um, two more our two U.S. senators for really showing that sort of pragmatic leadership in Washington D.C. that that is so often not seen anymore and I think they deserve um, a big shout out for that. And then lastly, um, a guy that lost in his general election, Representative Brian Farkas, um, Democrat out of of Greenville who worked well, was a very constructive and positive member of the minority, helped with making uh, the sort of compromises that make government run and just a fine example of a public servant.
0: Rob, who's getting guilt? And now you have to give at least one bag to a non-Democrat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, first of all, I, I also
2: should have said I'm giving a big uh, lump of coal to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson for pretty much everything he said when he opened his mouth in 2022. But, um, clearly, uh, I agree with Clark, uh, on uh, Burr and Tillis, uh, doing the right thing. Tillis in particular. I give him credit for speaking up, uh, on, he actually showed up at the signing ceremony for the Respect for Marriage Act this past, uh, week. Give him credit for that. That was, although that law doesn't go nearly as far as it should. I give him credit for that. I give him credit for taking a leadership role on trying to find a solution for the immigrant kids who are facing deportation in this country because of the ridiculous uh, attacks on the DACA program. So good on good on Senator Tillis for that. I hope he sticks with it and I hope he realizes there's a lot more in the way of um, common sense, middle ground stuff he can do.
0: Clark Reamer is former chair of the North Carolina Young Republicans. Rob Schofield is director of NC Policy Watch. Happy holidays. Back at you guys. Take care. Happy holidays. We're operating with a reduced staff the next couple of weeks, so going to put a little hiatus on the podcast until January. I do hope you get a restful break. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, enjoy that solstice next week. I got a birthday and an anniversary the last few days of the year, so plenty going on. Thank you for listening and engaging with your government. We'll talk again in 2023. <laughs> you?
2: Uh, four.
0: Four. And is that a true story or what?
2: True story.
0: Okay. What's the opposite of true story?
2: Fake news.